0: You know that feeling when you start a new job? The nervous excitement, the apprehension, trying to figure out how the coffee machine works and where the toilets are. Manchester City Council's got a new leader this week and the coffee machine may be the least of her worries. This is the Manchester Weekly from The Mill. Hello, I'm Daryl Morris with the editor of The Mill, Yoshi Herman. Yoshi, hi. Hey, how's it going? good. Welcome to the Manchester Weekly. If you are new to the podcast, each week we'll take you into the heart of the stories that matter in the place you love. We're going to get you fully briefed with the latest news and pointing you in the direction of some events that you need to know about. Plus, we'll take deep dives into the big, fascinating stories and intriguing people that make the heart of this city beat. All driven by the brilliant journalism of The Mill, Greater Manchester's new quality newspaper delivered to you by email. Today, Yoshi, we'll take a trip into one of Manchester's power bases at a time of shift push and pull
1: yeah absolutely this story that we're talking about today or sort of various stories we're talking about today have to do with what happens when a city that has been led by one man and his sort of close allies for a long time moves into a new era and when new people are are going to be able to exert power and what the happens when a sort of power vacuum opens up, because clearly this is a huge moment for the city. And I think today's stories really explore that.
0: Okay, more on the finer details of that shortly, Yoshi. But let's start the news briefing there as well, shall we, this week, because this is all hooked around this really significant changing of the guard at the town hall.
1: Yeah, so this week, Sir Richard Lee stepped down as Manchester's council leader after 25 years of doing the job. He started doing it in 1996, and... It is a moment of just enormous change. It is not just that Richard Lees isn't going to be running the council. It's also that one suspects that the people around him, who he's had around him for a long time, are no longer going to be as powerful within this all-powerful Labour group as they have been. So it's a massive moment. On Wednesday, in a council meeting, Bev Craig was nominated as the new leader. She won the election among the Labour group.
2: We can achieve great things together for this city. The home of the Industrial Revolution will be home to many more groundbreaking moments in history. A city of ideas and a city of action. A city built on hope and ambition that does things differently and never loses sight of why we were here. A city that will be judged on our deeds, not on our words. And a city that will never let Manchester people down.
1: She laid out her vision for the city, I think not in particularly specific terms, but she talked about some of the things that I think she thinks are important. One of the themes that's emerging very early on is that she thinks the benefits of the economic growth that have happened in Manchester needs to be more widely spread, maybe to neighbourhoods that have not felt that kind of uplift so far. And if you look at some of the economic figures, the data on deprivation, the multiple index of deprivation, you find that there are still lots of neighbourhoods in Manchester that are among the poorest in the country. So you can see why she's focusing there. She said in her speech something, words to the effect of, I don't think we should be scared about talking about things where we're falling short. And I think that's interesting. I think it indicates that she might be more open in the way she does politics than the um, previous administration was.
2: So being a pride of Manchester doesn't mean that we should look away from its challenges or pretend there aren't inequalities in our city and that there aren't people who are not yet sharing the city's success story. Striking challenges is not Manchester's style.
1: In terms of Richard Lees, I mean, he's been doing this for so long. He's so sort of integral to everything the city does. You know, all the big meetings that happen are involve him. All the big developments that go ahead have got his stamp on them. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens after him. and I think we'll do a proper episode of the podcast talking about Lee's when we publish our profile in the mail. Until then, I think it's just really worth watching the political space.
0: Okay, hold that thought for now. We'll come back to that shortly. And our big story this week leads right into the heart of that power shift. Also this week, this isn't the way that any of us wanted to learn the Greek alphabet, but here we are. A case of the new variant of concern, Omicron, has been found in Greater Manchester. It's Bolton, where a suspected case has been found. Of course, this new variant has triggered some COVID measures being reintroduced until we know more, including the return of mandatory mask wearing in some settings, surge testing and vaccine booster drive as well. Yoshi, where are we at in Greater Manchester? I think it's a bit... The calm before the storm when
1: it comes to the new variant. I mean, these two highly probable cases of the variant were found this week. By the time you listen to this, they may have been confirmed. But actually, COVID-19 rates in Greater Manchester are slightly falling. They're more or less flat, but they're slightly falling, 3% on last week. The hospital numbers that we got this week from Andy Burnham about the combined authority, you know, they're not moving either. You've got 48 COVID-19 patients in critical care in Greater Manchester's hospitals at the moment. That compares to 49 last week, very similar number the week before. So the data we're seeing isn't yet reflecting any reason for, like, enormous concern. But clearly there's concern on the part of the government about
0: what this new variant could be doing. And we'll keep an eye on that. We sure will. Elsewhere, Yoshi, everybody's been talking about Night and Day Cafe this week. This is one of the city centre's most iconic music venues. The likes of Arctic Monkeys and Elbow play there. The latest thing through their door, though, is a letter from the council, right?
1: yeah so they got a noise abatement order recently, and it was i think it was around the time that we did make, made last week 's podcast and very quickly it shot up. It was like after a day it had reached twelve thousand signatures on this petition because there 's just a lot of public feeling about this. I think a lot of people feel like if people move into the city center and they 're living near an iconic music venue or even a non iconic music venue that they shouldn't be able to close that venue down because it's creating the kind of noise you would expect. And the pandemic makes this interesting as well because people who moved into flats near music venues when music venues weren't allowed to operate and are now hearing the music that's coming out of them or the late night noise from punters out on the street, you know, if they are starting to complain... You can see how this might be happening in other venues and other places as well. Anyway, we're now at 73,000 on this petition. It's gone way outside of Manchester. And I think it raises some interesting questions for the city because one of the really interesting changes in Manchester over the past 25 years, or 30 years really, is that there are thousands more people living in the city centre. There used to be almost no one living in there. And now there are tens of thousands. So you've got a lot of people who are now living in proximity to bars, clubs, and mm. entertainment venues. And that's a completely different thing for Manchester from when all these venues were basically next to no residential housing at all. This story is really interesting about this one venue, night and day, but I think it has like much wider ramifications
0: for how the city centre gets managed. Mm. I saw a clip shed on social media this week of Tony Wilson doing a report on Granada Reports several decades ago about new residents in the city concerned about the music venues. Yeah. <laughs> things. Exactly. Here we are again. Okay, plenty more of that on the Mill newsletter. Full briefings in your inbox. Subscribe at manchestermill.co.uk. Now, when we started this podcast, we promised we'd try to build a portrait of a city from the suburbs to the town hall. Today, both of those places are the setting of some brewing political tensions. All of them, in the first week of the aforementioned Manchester Council's new leader, Bev Craig. Yoshi, you've been following this story closely. Take us to, in a sense, where it begins. And that's Burnage, where you went to this week. That's right. So, I didn't expect to be going to Burnage this week. We weren't
1: planning any reporting in Burnage. But over the weekend, someone told us that a senior Manchester councillor called Rabnois Akbar, who represents Russia, had been suspended from the Labour Party. So it took probably a few hours on Monday morning to check that out. You know, you have to go to the Labour Party, you have to go to the police and that kind of thing. It turned out there had been an allegation against Akbar, which had been made by another local politician in the south of Manchester. The allegation was about homophobia. We can't get into too many of the details, but effectively this complaint had been made to the Labour Party and it had been made to the police. So even though Rabnauaz Akbar totally denies ever making this remark. It's being investigated. And while it's investigated, he's been suspended by the Labour Party. Now, that's one sort of thing. And we had that in our Monday briefing and mill readers will know a little bit about that. What's interesting is how it has emerged from a really fraught and unpleasant selection process in Burnage. In Burnage, there was a Labour left-wing councillor called Ben Clay, and he's been doing this job for a few years now. He, he was a, first got his seat in, in 2018. A couple of months ago, it became clear that the secretary of Burnage Labour, a guy called Murtaza Iqbal, was moving against Clay. He was going to try and deselect him and make himself the Labour candidate and therefore very likely the, um, the councillor for Burnage. Now, this was kind of a thing that was very well known about among political people in Manchester. If you were really into Labour politics in South Manchester you knew about this, you knew about Iqbal, you knew about Clay. But it's really come to prominence this week because of this allegation against Akbar. Now we've reported this week that the person who made the allegation of homophobia against Rabnaz Akbar is this guy Murtaza Iqbal. The background to that allegation of homophobia, which obviously we we don't know if it's true or not. You know, the investigation will have to take its course. The the police will look into it. No one's been arrested. No one's been charged. The Labour Party is describing it as an administrative suspension, i.e., you know, while we're cracking on with this investigation. So we can't say much about the allegation itself. What we can say is that the backdrop to it is this incredibly ill-tempered selection process in Burnage, where you've effectively got different wings of Manchester Labour fighting to get a councillor that they like. This guy, Ben Clay, who was elected in 2018 on the back of a lot of support from Momentum, the Jeremy Corbyn-aligned campaigning group, and a lot of enthusiasm at that time around that type of politics he has been a bit of a thorn in the side of the of Manchester Labour. There is a culture in the Manchester's Labour Party that we deal with our disagreements internally. We talk about them in our Labour group meetings and we don't rubbish policies that we're pursuing externally. We don't have too much disagreement out in the open. And I think there are a couple of occasions where Ben Clay might have gone against that omerta a little bit. And I think what you've got here is a kind of bit of local infighting that might tell us what could happen in the post-Richard Lees era. You know, on this podcast, we don't tend to get right into the weeds of sort of local council races, Mm -hmm. right? But there are times when we dip into them, like, for example, when we talked about the Oldham story a few months ago with Raj and Sean Fielding. There are times that we dip into them because they have some wider significance. Mm. And I think this Burnage situation, which we're going to be reporting on more on the Mail, which we've got a members-only newsletter on this week, I think this might be one of those ones where you can see in a lo- very, very local council situation some broader themes that are going to play out elsewhere. The reason I say that is because some people in Burnage think that the reason so many people have been turning out to these selection meetings in this Ben Clay versus Murtaza Iqbal face-off, the reason there's been such high mobilisation of local members, is that really it's a proxy fight. It's a proxy fight about the future leadership of Manchester Labour. Is that a slightly strange thing to say on the day that a new leader was elected? Yeah, (laughs) slightly. But the person who wasn't elected the man who came second after Bev Craig and a very close second was a man called Look Rahman. And he is considered to be close to Richard Lees. I think he has a slightly different politics to Bev Craig. Bev Craig was described to me by someone as um, soft left, kind of Ed Miliband type was what one person said to me this week. I think Look for Rahman is considered to have politics slightly more similar to Richard Lees. And I think that what some people think is happening in Burnage is that allies of Rahman are showing that they can win races in not only Burnage, but across you know, the south of Manchester. The really interesting thing is that Bev Craig is a councillor who represents Burnage as well. As you know, each ward has, has a few different councillors. And she will come up for election as well. She will come up for selection. And what some people told me is, that this Burnage race is a way of allies of Rahman showing Craig that he can overturn her, that he could get her deselected. Now, that might be overly conspiratorial. That might be people who are overthinking this. I can't say one way or the other. But there's no doubt that the turnouts at these Burnage meetings were incredibly high, that the mood of these meetings was incredibly ill-tempered, and that it could presage what's sort of coming up
0: in in the politics of this city. OK, there's also another string to that story this week. A pretty strong set of allegations made by a Manchester councillor as she resigned from the Labour Party.
1: So this is Marcia Hutchinson, who's only been a councillor for six months in Ancotes and Bezek. She's a former solicitor and publisher. She's the only African-Caribbean councillor in Manchester. And that's something she raises in her letter. And a lot of her letter is pointing to the fact that there might be a problem around race in the council, in the Labour group. She paints a picture of a Labour group that is ripe for reform, that needs to have more diversity. She suggests that there was resentment in the leadership of the Labour group because she was helping new candidates who were not white, who were not from you know traditional backgrounds that have become councillors in the past, and that that created pushback towards her, which is interesting. This week, she wrote an absolutely incendiary public letter in which she said, you know, and I quote, As a new councillor, I entered a culture where councillors who do not toe the leadership line are ruthlessly bullied. Criticism is simply not tolerated. Any objections to policies which the leader has decided to implement are dismissed as coming from the, quote, sectarian left, close quotes. More often than not, the whip's office is the tool used to carry out the bullying, but the culture came from the top. I mean, this is just, you know, it's so unusual to read any kind of dissent in the Manchester Labour Party. To see a document like this, where she's not only writing these kind of thoughts, she's also linking to other documents where she has published emails within the Labour group. There are a couple of slightly awkward emails from Richard Lees himself. Emails from Pat Carney, who's the Secretary of Manchester Labour. Now, like, some of our listeners might think, look, I don't really care too much about Manchester Labour. But the point is, in this city, Labour is totally dominant. It's not so much the case in, in other bits of Greater Manchester, where there's a bit more of a power balance, there are some Conservatives, there are some Lib Dems, like you get in Stockport, like you get in Bolton. You don't have that in Manchester. It's, it's, um, it's almost entirely a Labour city, apart from a couple of council seats. And therefore, it really matters how the, the Manchester Labour Party conducts itself. And what Hutchinson says is they conduct themselves by effectively implementing a sort of old style mafia omerta. You can talk internally, but you can't talk externally. You can't, you know, have any of our, of our dirty linen in public. That's obviously just her perspective. Pat Carney, the secretary of the party, has, has come out and said, you know, that, that her claims have been investigated and were found not to be true. I think this has got loads more to run. She's stepping down, so she'll be able to say what she wants. It will be really interesting to see. Under Bev Craig, will other backbench councillors in Manchester start speaking their mind more publicly, criticising the leadership when they feel like it? Will the incredibly iron discipline that has characterised a lot of Richard Lees' reign, will that start to fall away? Uh, It's really a fascinating
0: week in Manchester politics, I think. Okay. Wow, really fascinating as those transitions of power happens and those shifts are laid bare. You can get more as it happens. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you subscribe to keep an eye on the balance of power in Manchester. Okay, let's head into the Mill Newsroom. What's coming up, Yoshi, on the horizon?
1: What's coming up is that not next week, but the week after, our print edition is coming out. It's going to be on the Monday. Finally. Monday the 13th, if the Monday is the 13th. Mm -hmm. And we're doing 10,000 copies. We're putting the final touches to it. Our designer's been working on it. Sophie Atkinson's been helping edit it. So that's all coming together really well. And Danny's actually doing a really cool piece about St. Anne's Church and the Reverend Nigel Ashworth, who is the priest there, because we're doing our big Christmas concert there. We're also trying to support the church with their um, COVID-19 recovery fund. So Danny's gone and interviewed him, and he's a great character, a real central Manchester character for me and then Thomas McGrath who's our historian who writes about history for us he's a professional historian actually Dr Thomas McGrath to you mm-hmm. he is writing a history piece about St Anne's which is amazing because it's one of the oldest buildings in Manchester 1700 when St Anne's was built Manchester was like this, not a rural town, but like not at all a city. Like it was like, um, you know, a sort of mid-sized town. And St Anne's, you know, there were fields and, and stuff in the city centre. So there's a really cool piece about that and the very interesting eccentric woman who put all the money in for the church and stuff. So we've got a couple of things about that.
0: We've also got some more uh, newsy stuff about politics coming up and um, print editions. So yeah, very busy. Good stuff. Okay. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you subscribe to get that in your inbox. And as you will get... In your mill newsletter, every week we would like to point you in the direction of something to do or see in and around Greater Manchester. Got a nod for us, Yoshi? Yeah, one of our members, Mike Emmerich,
1: who's been a mill reader and uh, member for a long time, he is involved with Manchester Baroque, which is this really cool sort of mini orchestra chamber group who only play on period instruments. So, from like the time of like Bach and Vivaldi and Handel oh, and stuff, right. which is pretty cool. It sounds really different. And they also try and find the original scores of, of everything they play. So, they try not to play like the modernized version that's changed over the years. They try and play the, the original. <laughs> and they're kind of like scholars of classical classical music as well um so anyway they have got a concert of Handel's messiah on saturday the 11th so that is going to be really really good like obviously like Handel's messiah is like if you're a baroque sort of orchestra that's absolutely sort of meat and drink to you so that's going to be a really
0: good concert i'm going to go and can't wait and the carol concert as well is on the horizon isn't it yeah Um, should we give that another plug got to give that a plug <laughs> got to give that a plug if you
1: want to come to the Millers Carols at St Anne's that's on the 16th Thursday the 16th book your ticket if you're a member go into your members newsletters recently you can get a little discount it's uh, fundraising a bit for us a bit for uh,
0: the church paying
1: some local musicians to come in so that's going to be an amazing night
0: good really looking forward to that my nod for you this week is an exhibition that opens this week at the Manchester Art Gallery it's been delayed actually from pre-covid this one it features a wide collection of the works of Derek Jarman who you, you may know as being an artist and a filmmaker and a gay rights activist he was right at the heart of a big cultural movement in the 80s 90s before his untimely death during the HIV crisis. And uh, this is the first time actually ever that all of his work has been brought together like this, a big sort of wide, wide sort of scope of lots of different pieces of work from Derek Jarman, all in an exhibition called panic that arrives this week Manchester Art Gallery really worth checking out Okay, uh, for now Yoshi thank you for being with us this week don't forget you can get a little nudge for when a new episode lands on your podcast feed so you never miss us never miss a thing just hit like or subscribe and plenty more in-depth reporting on all of the big significant political news you've had on the podcast this week in the Manchester Mill newsletter as well as other news events and deep dives into fascinating stories and interesting people You can get that in your inbox, of course, by subscribing at manchestermill.co.uk.